Hey, Cracked fans. We are so excited to be welcoming our friends at Turna back to this show as a supporting sponsor moving forward. Now, of course, all of you tennis fans know Turna Tennis for their world-famous Turna grip, that iconic purple-colored grip you see on the rackets of so many different professional tennis players. But did you also know that they make the tackiest grip in the world? That's right, folks, the brand-new Turna Tennis Mega Tack Grip. It's the tackiest grip on the market. It starts tacky and, simply put, stays tacky longer than any other grip you'll find out there. And if you tell your opponent, what do I use on my racket? I use the Mega Tack. You're going to be attacking with that Mega Tack from start to finish. If you've seen anything we do at Cracked Rackets, you know I'm a hairy guy. As you can imagine, I sweat when I play. The only grip that works for me is the Turn of Tennis grip. Of course, the Mega Tack taking things to the next level. How can you get yourself hooked up with a Turn of Grip today? It's simple. You're going to either find it wherever you buy your tennis goods. Or you can email them directly by emailing sales at uniquesports.com. That's sales at uniquesports.com. You mentioned Crack Rackets sent you in the email. We would greatly appreciate that as they let you, them know that we sent you there. But more importantly, you get a free sample and they'll treat you as family moving forward. Again, you email sales at uniquesports.com. You mentioned Crack Rackets. You get the free sample. You get hooked up with our friends at Turner. Once you use a Turner Grip, you're never going to turn anywhere else. Of course, again, ask them about the mega tack the tackiest grip on the market contact sales at uniquesports.com and get started with our friends at turn to tennis today welcome to hey great shot this is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. On today's show, we've got another episode of The Deciding Point, our weekly breakdown of all the action happening across the Division I college tennis world. But it's not just any episode of The Deciding Point, folks. No, we have finally, finally reached that time of the year. The NCAA tournament officially Ready to begin this weekend, we'll have our 16 host regions all begin play either Friday or Saturday. All that first, second round action done by Sunday. It's one of those weekends, folks, where it is extraordinarily enjoyable to be a college tennis fan. And on today's show, we're going to break down the 2022 NCAA Division I men's tennis draw. We're going to offer our reflections. We've now had 48 hours to rest on it. Think upon what the NCAA Selection Committee ultimately offered us for this 2022 NCAA tournament. We'll name the winners. We'll name the losers, much like we did on our winner show yesterday. We'll also talk about the shocking lineup announcements. And of course, those initial lineups have been submitted. They're going through the challenge process, now we don't yet have confirmation on the final lineups, but certainly there are a few things for us to notice. We'll discuss them, and then we'll get into the draw. We'll offer our preview. We'll talk about the seeds on Upset Alert. We'll talk about the locks. We'll talk about the best of the rest and so much more. It's another jam-packed episode here for all of you college tennis fans as we prepare for the Super Bowl event of the college tennis season. But of course, if you're going to try and break down 16 different host regions, you better have some help to do so along the way. Thankfully, I do each and every week on this show. And joining me on the podcast as he does, 
does so frequently to help us break it all down is a man you know best as the forefather of the college tennis ranks formula predictions never far from the listed UTR one of the many dames to root for the Liberty Flames a man we affectionately refer to as both a post-prime Greg Maddox and the professor it's our friend Chris Helioris Chris hey great shot we finally reached that time of the year it's the NCAA tournament how are you feeling my friend super relieved you know this is like <laughs> this is the week where all of a sudden everybody stops hounding me for stuff because the selections <laughs> are made and at this point yes there are still rankings to be done but nobody really cares anymore it's all about the tournament so <laughs> so i can change the focus from uh you know trying to keep everything up to date to actually watching uh some good tennis and and having a little fun like uh like with our bracket challenge we've got up yeah, no, last week was your Super Bowl. I mean, last week, everyone sent it in. Can we play a match? Do we have any days remaining? I scheduled my, you know, tw- uh, X amount of days of competitive days on the year to end right before the NCAA tournament begins. Should I sneak in a match? All those questions you were fielding now. Yeah, they're irrelevant. You get to become a college tennis fan. Once again, you get to put on your analyst hat, help me break this all down. But as you alluded to, and I referenced this on yesterday's show, to all of you college tennis fans out there who are wondering, well, I have thoughts. I have picks. How can I play along with the 2022 NCAA tournament? We have a fantastic, fantastic product available to you all now via the College Tennis Ranks website. It's the 2022 NCAA Bracket Challenge. Chris, tell us all about it. Yeah, you just, I mean, hit collegetennisranks.com with the very first menu option there has a bracket challenge and you'll see both men's and women's brackets. Get your bracket in. You make all the picks as a, as the tournament goes, you can hit the standings page. It'll give you the standings, tell you how many max points you have. So you can see who could possibly still win. Uh, and you can, and once you put your bracket and you can click through everybody else's and have fun going to see what everybody else is picking as well. So it's a, it'd be a lot of fun, something for everybody to, to add a little more uh, excitement to the tournament. Yeah, and I want to talk about the origin story quickly about this bracket challenge because I called you two, two and a half months ago, and I was like, hey, we should do a bracket challenge. I was like, I'm not smart enough to code it, but I bet you'd be smart enough to do it, Chris. Is that something that you think is possible? And you go, huh, yeah, that's a good idea. You're like, give me a week. And then literally one week later, you're like, hey, Westoff, Gruskin, I need you guys to work out some bugs on the website because I think I have it rolling and I think it's going to be ready to rock and roll. Again, you have a real job. You're balancing the rankings. You're running the College Tennis Ranks website. You're putting together this bracket challenge for all of college tennis fans to enjoy. I hate your guts, but on behalf of all of us, as always, thank you, my friend. It is an incredible resource. And again, College Tennis Ranks, all one word, College Tennis Ranks. Dot com. You'll see the bracket challenge right away. Here's what I will say. If you're going to take the time to fill out a men's bracket, fill out a women's bracket as well. It's stupid not to compete in both events. Why wouldn't you? It's what? It's not however many matches there are, you know, X 32 plus 16 plus eight plus four uh, plus two plus one uh, that many clicks. That's all it is. Like It, it takes five to ten minutes uh, if you've been following these shows week in, week out. Actually, that's such a lie. It takes far more than five to ten minutes if you put thought into it. I've yet to fill mine out because I'm like. I really want to lock in this. Do I just have Michigan win the title? Like, what am I going to go with here? Serious, not serious. What's my name going to be? Am I going to give a fake email to Chris? Uh, That said, compete in the bracket challenge. CollegeTennisRanks.com. Hopefully, we'll have some prizes for you. I'm hoping to finalize those by tomorrow. And and that's the beauty is all you have to give is an end. I mean, you have to put in an email just so 
if we end up with prizes, we have a way to contact you and actually know who you are. <laughs> Nobody actually will know that email will not be visible to anybody. No one can see that only me. And the name that you put in for your entry can be anything. So nobody knows who you are. There's no harm. Go put them in. Like Alex said, put in a woman's bracket, even if you're a men's fan and you don't know the women's and vice versa. If you're the women's fan and you don't know the men's, put it in. Nobody knows who the heck you are. You can only get to claim glory if you actually win. A thousand percent. And as we say every week here on our episodes of The Deciding Point, the whole reason we do this here at Crack Rackets is so that all of us in the college tennis community can connect with one another. There are way more of us fanatics out there than you would think. And again, an opportunity like a bracket challenge on the College Tennis Ranks website, the perfect opportunity to connect, compete with one another in the most fun way possible. Maybe we should play for Chris's 401k. It feels like a win to me. Um, but yeah, people, yeah, we'll see how confident you're feeling in your bracket. Uh, if you're like, yeah, but then you guys got to match it. Uh, I need to go change a few picks then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, with that in mind, again, on today's show, what we want to do, talk about the winners and losers, the lineups, break down the draw for all of you. Of course, the reason we're able to do that day in, day out, week in, week out here on this show is, as I mentioned, because of the support we get from all of you to be able to embrace this college tennis community has meant the world to us here at Cracked Rackets from Scotty B all the way through all of you who have participated on our our shows throughout the course of the year. We're immensely grateful for that fact. I see you, Dendalu the Yankee, somewhere out there as well. And again, we appreciate all of you coaches, players who have embraced us as well. Made this such a fun show, such a fun season, of course. A massive shout out to our friends at Swing Vision and Turna as well, who are the lifeblood of this show. And of course, at Swing Vision, they're at the forefront of everything happening in artificial intelligence. Now, you hear me say it every week. I'll just keep it simple this week. Download the app. You'll see it yourself. You'll have access to more information than you thought possible from your tennis performance. And again, you'll have it all at the palm of your hand. Use that promo code CRACK20. When you do sign up, you'll get $20 off a 14-day free pro trial as well. Again, go check out that Swing Vision app, the most efficient way to improve your tennis in the modern day. Of course, a huge shout out to our friends at Turner who have been with us since the beginning and have been supporting tennis fans everywhere for so long by providing the best equipment in the business, whether it be their grips, whether it be their big hitter, Silver 7 Tour String, you name it, they've got it. You can join the Turner family today by contacting sales at uniquesports.com. You mentioned we sent you the hook you up with free samples, hook you up with discounted pricing, treat you like family as well. A huge shout out to our friends at Turner for their continued support. Again, and remember, contact sales at uniquesports.com to join the Turner family today. The last thing I would say to everyone tuning in, tomorrow will be our final NCAA preview show. It's going to be a mailbag show. Any of you with questions for myself, for Chris, for John Parsons about any of the men's or women's action we anticipate to see unfolding over the next three weeks, send those questions in at Crack Rackets, at AL Gruskin, at College Tennis Ranks, at J Tweets Tennis. We're going to try and answer everything, folks. Again, that's tomorrow night, 9 p.m. Eastern time on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel, Thursday, 9 p.m. Eastern time, I suppose, depending on when you hear this. If you hear this in podcast form on Thursday morning, know that we are recording again live Thursday night, our final preview show, that mailbag special. Hope all of you are able to send in your questions so you all feel most prepared for the NCAA tournament. But of course, for you to feel prepared, got to get to our preview show. Got to talk about the 2022 Division I men's NCAA tournament draw. With that in mind, Chris, we both had 48 hours to rest on it, reflect upon it. Let's talk about our winners and losers from the 2022 NCAA draw. And I think the place we have to start, the biggest story on the NCAA tournament board 
is one that involves both a winner and a loser. And that's Middle Tennessee State, who we can acknowledge very, very clearly 27 and four overall conference champions, two, four, three victories to secure that conference title. It was an exceptional season for Jimmy Boren, Dame and the crew. And look, we talked about it all year long on this show with their victories over Arizona, with their victory over Auburn. They were absolute with the way they played in conference play as well. You know, they had put together, I think they have wins over Louisville and Notre Dame perhaps as well. They had put together a resume, certainly in the mix to be a top 16 seed. But when they lost to Tulsa near the end of the season, we said it on the show. We thought that was it. There goes their chance. And you look at the final edition of the ITA rankings, Middle Tennessee 19th, not just one point or two points within the margin of number 16, Arizona. They were multiple points behind the Wildcats. And yet in the end, the committee rewards number 16 seed to Middle Tennessee State. Now, that's why they're a winner. Why are they on this loser board then as well? Because they're not actually going to host this weekend's play. They didn't, uh, you know, we have talked around and multiple sources confirming this now. The, the team, the program did not submit a host bid. And that is part of what you have to do to host the NCAA tournament opening two weekends. It's two separate processes. The NCAA selection committee selects the top 16 seeds. Prior to that, though, you have to submit your host bid. And again, even a team like a Texas A&M, let's say, who is outside on the border, 26-25, they may even submit a host bid just in case something happens at the conference tournament or just in case something funky happens at the end of the season. Anyone can submit a host bid just in case things break their way. Again, from what we are able to report here tonight, Middle Tennessee State did not do that. I think that's why they have to end up on this loser list as well, because ultimately, despite being the number 16 seed, they will still be traveling to NC State, NC State, the two seed in uh, in their region. But they did submit a host bid. Therefore, the number two seed in Middle Tennessee's region was always going to be the host. NC State was selected. Therefore, they're going to be the host in that region. There's a lot to unpack there, Chris. I know I just said a lot of different things. Let's start on the winning side of the equation because we're glass half full here at Crack Rackets. Why did the selection committee select Middle Tennessee as the 16th seed? Break down that process for us, please. Yeah, so so when the committee goes through for seeding purposes as well as for bubble purposes, they look at teams back to back and they generally start, you know, from the top down. So we get to Arizona at 16 and they have four criteria that they evaluate teams against when they're comparing a primary uh, pair of teams together to say, should this team be above the other? And those are a head to head competition, B results against common opponents, C strength of schedule and D wins versus teams that are already selected in the tournament. Now you say that one more time, please. Yep. So Head-to-head, very straightforward. And I'll get into how they measure these. But head-to-head is obviously very straightforward. You know, if you played, who won head-to-head? The committee. And they actually award points here. This is kind of a point scale. They can give up to two points for the team owning the head-to-head competition. Okay. Then you come to results versus common opponents. It's It doesn't exactly say how many points in the manual, but you can read the championship manual, pre-championships manual. I would assume it's one point. It, whoever owns the edge in results versus common opponents. So you just simply take the common opponents you played and your record against them. Whoever owns the better record, if somebody does, 
they earn a point. Then you come to strength of schedule. Strength of schedule is basically defined as the ITA ranking. So now when it comes to awarding the points there, and this is where you, you get to what you talked about in that they were three points behind, they actually have it outlined in the pre-championships manual. Up to 10% is a one-point award. Okay. A- after that, there can be a two-point award. And then if it's a huge gap, it could be a three-point award. And the only reason I bring that up is if you go back and look at, say, the Michigan-Ohio State gap, it might be, you know, it might be different. Here, it was a slightly less than three-point gap with numbers around 40. So it was less than 10%. So it was only a one point advantage to Arizona there. And we'll get to how, how this all worked out. And then wins versus teams. It says wins versus teams already selected. That's actually somewhat of a misnomer because if you then read the instructions on how they measure it, it's actually wins over teams in the top 50. And okay. we all know that only 45 made, you know, made it in, if you will. Uh, and there are teams outside the top 50 that are automatic qualifiers that are in, but but it's basically defined as wins against the top 50. So when you take that for Middle Tennessee and you bounce Middle Tennessee up against Stanford first, you look at the the only the you know the area where they're going to win out is the results versus common opponents. They they win there. They being Middle Tennessee, who did they do you have this in front of you who they beat? I know you tweeted out. Well, they beat Air. I mean, for that, for Stanford and San Diego, both they beat Arizona. Both those teams lost to Arizona. Middle Tennessee beat Arizona, Stanford and 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 um, Stanford and San Diego both lost. to them. Correct. There is no head to head. The strength of schedule obviously favors the other teams because they're in front of them. So at that point, I would assume we're even and I didn't go count the wins versus teams already uh, in the tournament, it wouldn't be too hard to do. I would assume Middle Tennessee must have won out in those matches in terms of wins against top 50. Uh, and, you know, we could look, I, I'm, I'm going to assume that Middle Tennessee had more wins against top 50 teams. Uh, it, it's That seems a little, I'm going to look as, as we're saying this, that seems a little given the other teams being in, in, uh, well, not San Diego, but at least Stanford being in a or uh, Arizona in, in a power similarly. conference. Yeah, at the same Arizona. time, you think about it: Cal, UCLA, just outside the top fifty; Arizona State outside the top fifty; Washington. So I count Florida nine top well. fifty, nine top fifty for middle for Middle Tennessee. Okay. If I look at Stanford, it's it's definitely not nine. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Okay, uh, still. And if close. I look at San Diego, it's eight. Okay, so, still very close, but edge okay. Middle Tennessee plus yeah. the edge with the win over Arizona, so that's two victories. And they only lose the they there was no head to head, and then they lose the uh, you know the ranking version, so they get two points. Stanford San Diego both get one. Middle Tennessee passes both of them. Then you come to Middle Tennessee up against Arizona, and obviously it, in that case Middle Tennessee owns the head to head. They both have nine earlier this season. Technically, yeah. I think even five zero. It was yeah. They both have top fit the same number of top fifty wins. So no edge to Arizona there. Uh, and then I, I didn't go through the common opponents, but uh, but I assume that that's how uh, must be the common. I mm-hmm. it must be the commons or Oregon, who's right at fifty, maybe on the previous run was just I don't know, but it, it's super close. But that's how that's how they end up getting past 
Arizona and into the number 16 spot is based on that set of criteria. And they could have awarded, because it was a 4-0 win, they could have awarded, two. it says, up to two points. They could have given them two points for absolutely, you know, blanking them. And then they drop one on the fact they're ranked behind them. And that's that's how they get by. I mean, so that's a lot of hogwash. I'm just going to come out and say, and I appreciate you taking that hogwash. That shows you where my brain is today. But I appreciate you taking the time to explain that, to try and offer our listeners, our viewers, the thought process of what happened there. It's the inconsistencies. So you're going to do all of that chicanery, all of that calculating for the number 16 seed. But you're not going to look at number four and five and say, well, wait a second. Didn't Michigan just beat Ohio State on Sunday, the day before we announced the bracket? Isn't Michigan two and one against the Buckeyes like overall on the season? You're going to say, "Okay, Ohio State cleaned Wake Forest clock four zero. Well, guess what? Michigan beat TCU who knocked off Ohio State at the National Indoors. What I don't understand fundamentally, if I'm an Arizona fan or if I'm a Stanford fan or a San Diego fan who has been jumped by Middle Tennessee State, and I want to be clear, Middle Tennessee State has as strong of a resume, you just laid it out, as a Stanford, as an Arizona, as a San Diego. But why why the committee makes the decision to make this the one adjustment they're going to make. Everything else is going to go by the travel matrix. Literally, everything else, men's and women's, is going to go by the travel matrix. Well, except it, for except for this? Like, no, what are we not, But that wasn't the case. So, so obviously, in the, and we'll talk about that as when we get there, 8, 9, 10, Wake, Kentucky, South Carolina, the way they came in the rankings, did not end up that way. And that was not travel matrix. That was an adjustment. And Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan... Probably in the end, if you look at the point gap there, it's just slightly more than 10%. So Ohio State was awarded two points for the ranking advantage, being the strength of schedule, if you will. Uh, and that probably end, you know, ended up being the difference in why they couldn't jump them, even though they own the head-to-head. Uh, it, was, it was that point gap in which they award them two points for a more than 10% difference in the ranking points. I guess to me, it's absurd. Why is that worth two points? Like, how how are we determining this scale? That is what I would like to ask the NCAA committee. And I think we here at Cracked Rackets would offer them a neutral platform to say, hey, here are some questions we're curious about. How much thought goes into uh, these, again, uh, into the formula? How much weight goes behind that versus the results, versus the rankings, versus the travel matrix, trying to keep expenses down? All things we talked about yesterday with Jay. Again, you laid out the case. That's why Middle Tennessee State is a winner. Strength of schedule, top 50 wins, head-to-heads. Ultimately, they get that boost over Stanford, over San Diego, and ultimately Arizona, whom they beat head-to-head. Let's talk the flip side, and we're going to do this quick, more quickly because I don't think we need to pile on Coach Jimmy Boren Dame, who it's a top five all-time tweet, us against the world. Like, it's got to be on the short list. That was exceptional. Um, at the same time, look. Jimmy's an exceptional coach, 27 and four this year. Middle Tennessee State is always in the mix. I am not, I want to make it clear. I do not bemoan nor doubt the coaching ability and the ability to run a program. Look at what Middle Tennessee has become. Look at their indoor facility. Look at what they're able to attract. At the same time, this is coaching malpractice. Like you just can't have this happen after the season you put together. Yeah, I mean, Look, 
I, I can't say it any differently, right? They, you know, yes, we love Jimmy. He's done a great job at middle Tennessee. He's gotten the team where they were, you know, where at, you know, a mid major where they are, that's actually in the con conversation for being a top 16 seed, not in the conversation, Chris, and they're 16. Yeah. And they ended up 16, but, and at the same, and, and regardless, and this is what I'd say, I could, you know, I feel like I should be able to say this on behalf of Jimmy, because this is what he should say, even though I'm sure we're not going to hear from him, no matter how it happened, whatever happened, the bottom line is, Hey, I don't want to get into the details of why the bottom line is it falls on me. I take responsibility. We didn't get the bid, hang it on me. And that's, and hence the, it's us against the world tweet from him yesterday morning. Right. Uh, it's, you know, that's the attitude he's got to take. And yeah, I'm sure he, you know, he, he can't feel great about it. Right. Uh, but you know, it is what it is at this point. It falls on however it played out. Ultimate responsibility still comes back to him for, for however it didn't get done. And, you know, now they just got to go on the road and win at NC State. Fire in the bellies. Number 16 seed going on the road, as you mentioned, to NC State. And with them in mind, winners. NC State, king of the little things. Kyle Spencer, <clears throat> excuse me, who, despite being the number two seed in their region, ultimately get to host the first two matches of the NCAA tournament. And look, this NCAA State, NC State team is extraordinarily young. And yeah, they have some older pieces, certainly at the top of their lineup, who have contributed and have experience. But for these young, this young nucleus who they have high aspirations for in Wolfpack Nation to get potentially two NCAA tournament matches at home, to get Chris Halioris to come watch the Liberty Flames now at home as well. What a, what a swindle. Like, what a win for the Wolfpack. Yeah, I take particular exception to this because now instead of driving <laughs> two, instead of driving two and a half hours to Murfreesboro, Tennessee, I'm driving eight and a half hours to Raleigh, North Carolina. So so that's the real that's the real blame I have to lay on Jimmy. My drive just got six hours long. <laughs> yeah, but, exactly. uh, but no, yeah. Th yeah. What a what a great thing for NC State. I mean, they certainly they weren't expecting it. But, you know, li like you said, everybody puts you know, you, you never know what's going to happen you put your bids in, uh, and it and it turns out that yeah. So the region they got assigned to, that team didn't put a bid in. So, uh, so they do it. And and no. And let's be clear, teams teams generally do that for you mentioned it reasons that you don't know what's going to happen in conference tournament. But all kinds of other things can happen, right? There can be facility issues. There can be uh, you know just weather, whatever things maybe. going on at yeah. the host regions that don't even allow them to host and. So, so these two, most of the two seeds will generally, they need to put a bid in anyway on the off chance that the one seed that they get assigned to can't host. And in NC State's case, yeah, that's exactly what happened. And, and they couldn't be happier. And, and, and looking at the weather forecast for this weekend, Friday and Saturday both look like rain. I mean, the gods are really shining on Raleigh, North Carolina now because they couldn't have it, you know, they couldn't ask for anything better than a pop, than, than it might even be indoors. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, they're not bad outdoors either, but I'm sure they love the whole indoor setup be just because that's courts that the other teams aren't used to playing on. Certainly Liberty hasn't been there to play on them. Middle Tennessee's not a, accustomed to them. Uh, you know, great situation for NC State. Four indoor courts as well. It's a double host site with the men and the women. God, please don't rain. Otherwise, that Saturday is just a long Saturday for the facility people in North Carolina State. Uh, all right. Let's go back to the loser side. 
the West Coast, and I mean, it happened in both the women's and the men's, uh, unequivocally, the Pac-12 receives no top 10 seeds. No top 10 seeds, Chris. Just one top 16 seed. It was USC. Ultimately, Arizona passed by Middle Tennessee for that regional host. And if you're Arizona, you're kicking yourself for that conference tournament loss quarterfinals to Washington. Certainly, it was a desperate Washington team who ultimately gets into the tournament, but Man, you're kicking yourself. San Diego, you're now headed to USC instead of a Middle Tennessee, instead of an Arizona, as expected. And, of course, the Trojans knocked off San Diego. That was the 5-0 scoreline, excuse me, earlier this season. Pepperdine, they thought they were going to USC for the millionth time. A USC team they have had success against over the past couple of seasons. Nope. Now Pepperdine's headed out to South Carolina, cross-country trip, California conditions to the swamp that is South Carolina. That's certainly a transition. And then it has to be mentioned, and we're not piling on, UCLA misses the NCAA tournament for the first time in program history. It was a rough selection show for the West Coast, Chris. Yeah, I mean outside of it yes it was but outside of the Arizona deal which you know unfortunately I still remember I'm watching one screen and we're like 30 seconds delayed on the other and when I saw Middle Tennessee I freaked out and you're like oh you're ahead of us slow down but uh, but yeah out, honestly outside of Arizona you know getting passed over for the 16 we knew everything else we knew UCLA wasn't going to make it the the San Diego you know, piece was simply a byproduct of Arizona not hosting. I think had San Diego, had Arizona been hosting, that's where we would have seen San Diego and Pepperdine would have been at USC. But now all of a sudden Arizona's not hosting and okay, one of the schools can go to USC and the other one has to travel further than the 410 miles that it was for San Diego to go to Arizona. So yeah, Pepperdine earns the the, the flight across the country. So yeah, I mean, Yes, disappointing for the West Coast, but I think other than the Arizona thing, all of that was known heading in. It was just that was really the culmination of just a disappointing year on the West Coast for some of the teams. I mean, great seasons for teams like San Diego and Pepperdine. But yeah, teams like UCLA, nobody in the top 10. I mean, that's, you know, we, we kind of knew that and that was an all year thing. Well, here's my thing is that we were the thing we were monitoring a could the Pac-12 sneak into top 16 seeds? Could a Stanford grab one? Could an Arizona grab one? The answer was no. And we thought, well, okay, if one of those teams aren't grabbing it, probably going to be one of Pepperdine or San Diego. Nope, not the case. Neither of them get the chance to host. And, you know, Utah's got Ole Miss. It's not an easy match. Washington's got Pepperdine. That's not an easy match. It's like, can we play this? on the West coast. And then we'll fly over. It's like, do we really both have to make the trip? Um, and then I'm sorry. It's still just as striking. Like as a historian of college tennis, it's weird not to see UCLA. It is weird. And just, again, the NCAA, the, the draw was just kind of the final pin and just like, Ooh, uh, not the greatest. All right, let's keep moving on winners, Ohio state. We can do these ones quickly. I mean, despite a one and two record against Michigan, still the four seed, pathway to the quarterfinals now goes through USC instead of Texas. And I think Texas is the team with the most question marks, the highest ceiling, but perhaps the lowest floor of any of these top 16 seeds, or certainly the the Delta, I should say, between ceiling and floor as wide as any uh, team in the tournament. And yet, like, I mean, the Buckeyes are the four seed and like 
a fourth match versus Michigan as your quarterfinal opponent, I actually think – I mean, I'm curious what Ty Tucker would think about that regardless, but I, I think if you're a Buckeye fan – Columbia Notre Dame like is the winner of your second round match and then again USC instead of Texas I feel better yeah I mean and honestly yeah I mean from Ty's perspective you know the guys I'm sure the guys are probably itching to get another shot at Michigan from Ty's perspective it's pretty it's pretty easy to sit back and go yeah look I mean if if we both get that far and we end up playing Michigan as the first match in Champaign if we go one and three against them, frankly, we don't deserve, you know, we don't deserve to be anywhere near national title match. So, you know, we'll take our, the fourth shot and see if we can round. And if we end up going two and two and it ends up being the one that gets us into the national semifinal, then, then great. I'm, I'm happy with that. No, no qualms whatsoever, because honestly, you don't want a team to luck their way into a final. You want to earn it. And, you know, if you can't beat a team twice in four attempts, then you probably don't deserve to get there. Fair. All right. Loser side, flip side of it, winners of the Big Ten Conference. And since we're never going to get to break down that match, let me just sneak in two minutes. God damn, did the Wolverines play good in Madison. Oh, my goodness. To drop the doubles. And let me just say, it was really freaking good doubles. To be without Gavin Young, Bickerseth comes in, and I love you, Bick. But at one point, Ty Tucker looks at Cannon and JJ and says, if you hit a single ball not to Bickerseth's backhand volley, I'm just going to default the match. He's like, what are you guys doing? And again, Bick held up well. He and Styler, I like that team. If Gavin is going to be injured going to the NCAA tournament, I do think that's a serious concern. But, I mean, you should have seen Maloney Votzel. Like, just big man tennis. Kingsley Styler was top 150 tennis at worst. Like, just two guys who, if you leave a short ball, I'm hitting big. I'm moving forward. The physicality. Fenty Tracy. Fenty had set point in the first set. And again, six and four win for Tracy was, I think, the third or fourth singles match off the court. I mean, the depth for Michigan is real. Beatty gets another win. Nino was excellent against Trotter. And then I mean, Maloney comes through, Styler comes through. You swept the top two and you swept the bottom two against Ohio freaking state. Wolverines are winners. Let's be clear. But man, I would have preferred USC over Texas. I mean, not like that much more, but like Texas is just the team like, okay, I didn't put them in the winner category. We'll, We'll do this sneakily. When you look at the left side of the draw, and all due respect to TCU, who has beaten Texas this season, won the national freaking indoors and beat Texas on the way to doing so. And Ohio State, who's been excellent. And Michigan, who's been excellent. Texas is the team that made the NCAA semifinals last year. And it's like, you know, all those guys are back. I don't know how healthy any of them are, but like they might think, all right, Florida's not on our side. Baylor's not on our side. Tennessee's not on our side. We are the most experienced team on this left side of the draw. I would say they were sneaky winners. Yeah, it's just, it's always, it's one of those, be careful what you ask for. Right? Sure. Uh, I mean, you you look at it and you think, yeah, I'd rather play USC than Texas. And then, you know, karma comes and you play USC and they beat you 4-1. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, that's that's what you have to say. And it's tough. You, you, you can look at it. I mean, I've done it as well. I look at it and I go, I don't care who you are. I just want to avoid Florida until the final. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, if you have to beat them at some point, maybe it doesn't matter, but yeah, it's, it's tough to, to pick the path that you want. Uh, you just got to go out there and, and win the matches. Yeah. Fair. All right. Well then last winner, Kentucky, 
who all season long, was it going to be them? Was it going to be Wake? Was it going to be South Carolina? Was it going to be Georgia? In the end, it's Kentucky who gets that number eight seed. Break it down for me. Yeah, much like we did before, same same criteria. You have Wake at eight, Kentucky at nine, and we are now talking the thinnest of thin margins when you compare. So they have common opponents. In those matches against common opponents, Kentucky four and four, Wake four and five. Edge Kentucky, point there. Wake is ahead in the rankings, point there. We're back to even. They didn't play head-to-head. So now it all comes down to wins versus the top 50. Kentucky 15, Wake 14. Oh, (laughs) yeah, I mean, look, all three teams are equally, uh, in my opinion, pretty damn solid. The problem, uh, I mean, I don't have a The problem with this whole process is it's like, why why weren't we told about this formula clearly? Like, you got to dig into the rule book to find it. And thankfully, we have you to do so, but. I mean, look, it's not as though Kentucky is not deserving. South Carolina fans are like, but we beat them twice. And I have no gripe with that argument. If I was a Gamecock fan, I would be irate that a team I was 2-0 against uh, ultimately got the spot. But don't worry, I see you saying it. But South Carolina, who is without Rafael Lambling, let's be clear, if they win their quarterfinal match at the SEC tournament, it's a completely different ball game. And then they would have had another shot at Kentucky. And then we're probably not having this debate because we could all feel, well, the team that won that matchup won the most recent matchup, and they're the most deserving of that number eight seed. Ultimately, we saw the match, and it goes to Kentucky. And so, yeah, they're your number eight seed. They're your final winner. With that in mind, again, Want to get to the bracket, want to break down the draw, talk about the locks, the regions on upset alert. Let's go quickly through some of the notable lineup decisions that were submitted. Do you have any final thoughts on winners and losers? Yeah, I, w- I wanted to make one last point, because, especially for the South Carolina fans, because as we had pointed out, we thought South Carolina could have jumped both of them. So even after Kentucky went ahead of Wake, the question that people are asking is, well, that's fine. But now when you get down to South Carolina, why didn't they get to jump Wake? And then after they jump Wake, get to jump. Uh, Kentucky, much like Middle Tennessee did. And the problem was, yes, South Carolina owned a victory over Wake. That's worth a point. But against common opponents, Wake had a significant record advantage. That evened it out. And then when you get to top 50 wins, Wake had more top 50 wins. So they held South Carolina off from being able to get up and battle to for that eight spot against uh, Kentucky in the head-to-head. And that's why South Carolina ended up staying at 10. Aha. Yeah. Again, checks out. All right. We're going to go through these lineup shocks quickly because they're not particularly shocking. And unfortunately they take down the lineups during the challenge process. So I didn't get the time to comb through them quite as closely as I would have liked Ohio state. I mean, there's always chicanery in the end, Robbie cash at the number five spot trotter at the six this weekend. We didn't see cash in play. I know he's nursing some, you know, a couple injury everyone at this point, pretty banged up. I mean, it would have been weird if it was Van Emberg four, Trotter five, and someone else at six. Like, that would have been way too standard for the Buckeyes. What this does tell me, though, is that I I do think we're going to see a lot of Trotter at five and then Boulay at six. And I do think Boulay, I watched him this weekend, six and five, uh, five and six loss, excuse me, to Beatty in that final. Boulay played excellent. Like, that was two lefties playing big, swinging big, comes down to one break and one tie break. Like, are you kidding me? I thought Boulay, Boulay is rounding into form. So I do think that's actually what this is indicative of. 
Yeah, well, I think I sort of lean the other way in thinking that, yeah, we didn't see cash. I He's a little bit banged up, probably not ready for singles. And so this is just the Tim Siebert effect of whatever, play him, put him wherever you want. You're going to pull him and slide everybody up. I almost think that had the Van Emberg match gotten to finish against Michigan and he lost, ah, we might've seen cash at four because it still doesn't matter. They're going to slide Van Emberg back up to four, play Trotter at five and belay at six. So I, I mean, I think that's the lineup we actually see where they put cash in the singles lineup is irrelevant. Does this get challenged? Yes or no? Yes. I agree. 63 coaches. Someone's going to challenge it. All right. Texas has Spaziri up to one. He played one at the Big 12 Championships. No Micah Braswell, who was injured. And, of course, the super sophomore has been there the majority of the season. He's 11-4 and four at that number one spot. Certainly has had a significant amount of success. Spaziri at one, Braswell at two. Does this get challenged? No. No? No. I mean, look, bro, what do you want to put Braswell at one who's, who's coming off of injury? I, we know Spaziri's hurt, but he's been playing there, and he's been fine. I mean, you know, he's slowly moved his way up. I mean, it, you know, here's well, my the, argument: the, the guy I most likely to challenge is Bruce Burke, and he can't. <laughs> so, 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 uh, I mean, I don't know. Are you going to challenge that you want Bailey at one? No, I want Braswell at one because if he's healthy enough to play, he's proven he's the best player in their lineup this season. Because it's not a healthy Elliot and yeah, he Braswell. You'll never win that challenge, given the fact that he didn't even play in the Big 12 tournament. I think that's stupid. Um, all right. Tennessee, Harper 5, Diaz 6, Prada 7. I mean. Yeah, this this is the where it gets interesting. And again, I mean, this I is think, Tennessee. Yeah, with the first two, I no issue with because I don't think Cash is playing to begin with. This is the one that I'm unsure of. I would I would actually say. That if, and I have no idea whether this is true or not, but if Harper was 100% healthy, this is probably legit how they feel. But Harper's never been 100% healthy. He's not played there all year. Is it another, we're just going to pull Harper and play DS5 Prada 6 or DS5 and, you know, Gannon 6, whatever. We could play whoever you want at 6 at that point. Or are they actually considering? I that's why it's interesting to me, only because I wonder if they're if are they legit considering playing Pat Harper? Yeah, I mean, look, he's played fewer than ten singles matches, I think, during this dual match season. Like we like his aggression, I like his energy. Certainly, Prada, Gannon, they've all had their shots at that number six spot. No one's securely, you know, firmly held on to it. At the same time, you pull Harper, you play Diaz at five, you play Prada at six, or Gannon at six, who's in that eight spot. Like, it's still kind of the same lineup. The question is, will they actually play Harper? Um, And I have no idea what the answer to that question is going to be. I'm sure that one gets challenged, because why not? How about Virginia, though? Botzer to six, Gianni Ross to five. Again, I will accept formal apologies from you and Matt at any time. I mean, look, let's... Let's be honest. This was this was coordinated all year long. Uh, <laughs> A conspiracy we, theory. We can we cannot play him, make him go to class, and don't even practice that much so that he can be justified at the bottom of the lineup. I mean, 
Yeah, there's. I mean, you can't possibly. It's a. It's it's a legit lineup. You look at the results. I have no problem. Based, you know, you show me the results on paper at what's happened. I have no problem with with the lineup. What it's only when you go, it's Barbotzer and he's at six that you're like, come really? Yeah. <laughs> but oh. but it's but it's a total legit lineup. I agree with you. The thing that would you know surprise again, I would argue the other way. I challenge and say, hey, actually. Can we go Botzer back at five and Gianni back at six? Like, or like, you know, that's the one I would have challenged if I'm if I'm the other coaches because I do think Gianni Ross has been better than Barbotzer this season, certainly by result. And that said, you're right. The guy who clinched the 2018 NCAA championship is now playing six singles. Um, yeah, scary, scary stuff for the Who's. With that in mind, let's get to our hosts. Let's get to our draws. Let's get to our 16 regions. Talk about the seeds we have on Upset Alert. Talk about how we expect this weekend to unfold. We have three seeds with our alarm bells ringing. Sorts of Upset Alert. And I think the place we have to start, we alluded to at the top. Number 16, Middle Tennessee State, who, you know, again, 27-4 and four overall on the year. They have experienced seniors in fifth years at the top of their lineup. Stein Slump, who's 16 and seven overall at the number one spot. Francisco Roca, 18 and four, but 13 and four at the number two spot. They're 22 and two as a team at the number six singles position. And, you know, again, Chris Edge, another fifth year, 20 and eight overall in dual matches this season. This team, and by the way, 55 and 17 in individual double sets. It's not as though it's been a cupcake schedule for them either, right? They've gone and, again, earned victories over an Auburn, over uh, the uh, Oklahoma State of the world on the road, and at, you know, again, against Louisville's and, uh, you know, Virginia Tech's of the world. They've played good matches throughout the course of the season. The fundamental issue is they're now on the road, and they're taking on NC State. Again, an NC State team that has been battle-tested in the ACC throughout the season, you look for NC State 18 and 9 overall. You look for them again in terms of home matches they've played this season. They lost to Georgia at home. They lost to North Carolina at home. I believe that's it. I think those are their only home losses on the season. So they've been exceptional when they've played in Raleigh. And again, 18 and 9 overall on the year. We can get to their lineup strengths momentarily. This is an upset alert. Which way are you leaning? Yeah, I mean, I'm leaning to the Wolfpack at home. Uh, I mean, let's not forget they've got to get by, you know, Liberty on day one. But, uh, but yeah, I, it, it's one of those that I look at, especially. I mean, now Middle Tennessee plays most most of their matches indoors as well. Not sure the courts are as fast as they are uh, at NC State, but. Uh, so it's not like they're completely on, you know, it's not like you're getting a Florida team on an indoor court there, but in, NC state's just so good on those home courts. And, and, and it, and honestly, it doesn't matter whether it's indoors or outdoors. They're good e- either way. Like you said, they've lost like only a couple home matches all year. I, I definitely, you know, I, the, the betting money has to be on NC state to hold at home. Yeah. I mean, Look for this NC State lineup. They, again, 41 and 23 in doubles. That's particularly successful given the depth in the ACC this season. They're 16 and 5 at the number six spot. That's been a big one for them. 19 and 3 at the number three spot. You know, 17 and 9 at four. Again, 
those are the matchups to me because I do think Slump and Roca, who have been so successful all season long for Middle Tennessee, I probably still favor them in the top two positions, whether it be over Staheli or over Luke, whomever it is, it is uh, that they play in those one and two slots for NC State. That said, again, NC State can match Middle Tennessee's depth. And in an NCAA tournament match, when the doubles point is so critical, two teams who have each been successful in doubles, you probably lean towards the home team in that doubles point. That said, let me just make the argument for this Middle Tennessee team, because there are shades of Texas to what they did this season. Now, again, it's not to the scale that Texas did, who probably did it against slightly tougher competition. But you look for this Middle Tennessee team. 4-3 win over USF, 4-3 win over SMU, 4-3 win over UTSA, 4-3 win over Charlotte, 4-3 victory over Texas Tech. They won all of the 4-3 matches that they played this season. Now, again, have they had the toughest road environments? Well, they went at SMU, who went undefeated in conference play as a top 25 team this year. They win that match 4-3. They go to Oklahoma State, which I think is always a tough environment to play in. They win that match as well. Now, they lost road matches early at Mississippi State, at Georgia Tech, but the worst this Middle Tennessee team lost a match this season is 4-2. They play everyone close. And again, I mentioned it at the top, the experience for this Middle Tennessee Tennessee team, slump, Roca, Edge, this is their last chance. It's an extraordinarily hungry and now chip on the shoulder Middle Tennessee team against a very young but at home NC State team. It's 4-3 either way, right? Like I do not anticipate this match. It's definitely not going to be a 4-0, 4-1 blowout. I don't expect a 4-0, 4-1 blowout, but I don't necessarily – I wouldn't say it's definitely going to be – Four three. If if NC if NC State, I don't see if Middle Tennessee is going to win it. I definitely see a four three type match. I can see a a world where NC State gets grabs the doubles point and gets off to a quick start. And I think to, from my recollection of their lineup to your question, it was uh, Rafa was at one, uh, Staheli was at three, Rosen's at four. Uh, so I, yeah, I can see a world where they get you know three of those and it's a and it's a 4-1 match or they get two of those and a real a long grind somewhere and Damien Salvestre comes on at five and gets a quick one uh I don't know I mean it's possible I think if Middle Tennessee is going to win it has to be just a knockdown drag out 4-3 battle well I think that's why I like the four court arrangement if they have to go indoors because Give me Slump and Roca to get a – you know, let's – obviously, they have to win the doubles point. But give me Slump and Roca in the first four matches to put two points on the board, which they have done so frequently for their team this season. And then what? Chris Edge is out there battling a freshman. Like, don't you need – like, that's the match he just has to win. He just has to if and this I, team's going to advance. Yeah, and I think that's going to be one of the keys to watch as we've talked all year, you know, we, and we've raved about these NC State first-year guys – uh, right, that that they're playing, and they've been fantastic. Now the question is, hey, does all of a sudden, oh, it's NCAA tournament time? Do, does any of that inexperience pop out, or do they just keep rolling like they have been in in big matches uh, all year? That you know, we'll see. 
See, I expected you to come in and say, yes, it is an upset alert, but not in the way that you think. Give me the Liberty Flames over NC State. You did not do that again. Middle Tennessee playing host to Liberty, to uh, UNCW, to NC State. That is certainly one of the most fascinating regions of the weekend. You're picking NC State. I'll take Middle Tennessee. Give me the chip on the shoulder. Us against the world. Top five tweet. I will take Middle Tennessee to advance this weekend. Let's move over now. Stay in the state of North Carolina, but move over to Chapel Hill, where the UNC Tar Heels played their way to a North uh, played their way, excuse me, to a top sixteen seed. And fun fact for you, Chris, did you know that since the beginning, you know, since March sixth, this UNC team has lost just three matches. They lost five two at Duke, four one at Wake Forest, four three in the conference final against Virginia. UNC has played its way into form, and you know again whether it be Cernok having in my I think Cernok should should have won. I don't know if he did ACC Player of the Year. I thought he was as good, if not better, than anyone down the home stretch. Look at his results against Chris Rodash of Virginia. He wins that match in the ACC Championship. I think Anoush Watani has who got a massive win in that conference tournament over Barbotzer. He's gotten, you know, the uh, junior has slowly but surely found his game. And then, you know, Zap still a little hot and cold, but he and Murphy, you feel like, again, they're going to grind. They're going to get you to a third set at the very least. Kiger, we know what he's putting out on the table there. And again, on the right day, Ben Seguin is going to beat anyone in the country. That said, this North Carolina team faced an Arizona squad. That was in the round of 16 last year. That is going to have a massive chip on their shoulder after not being selected as a top 16 seed. And as an Arizona team that always has a chip on their shoulder. Now you're giving them an actual one to place there. And again, their depth, not just up top where, you know, I've got Strom and Zeverts against Cernok and Seguin. That's a really fun top two battle, but they've got the depth. They've got the experience. North Carolina's at home, though. Should also mention Princeton Navy in this region as well. Give me your match calculus. Which way are you leaning? I mean, I, I'm I'm leaning Arizona. I'm picking Arizona. Uh, I think the key for North Carolina, I think North Carolina, North Carolina needs to take the doubles point. Which, by the way, I, I wish we had updated stats for North Carolina. I can tell you Arizona 43 and 23 in individual double sets this season. They've been pretty, you know, 12 and 10 at one, but their depth, 17 and 7 at two, 14 and 6 at three. Now, Kyger and Cernok at the number one spot. You feel like they have to win. You know, it's got to be a big day for Brian Cernok if North Carolina is going to carry forward. Those bottom two matchups are very interesting for Arizona. Sorry, go on. Yeah, and 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 look, the one of the key matches to me for North Carolina is going to be Ben Seguin at two. I mean, you you know what you're going to get out of out of Cernok, and that's going to be a great match. Even if he doesn't win, it's going to be a good match. Arizona, you know, we've talked about all year. Well, whatever order they play Strom and Zeverts in, like they're great at two. Nineteen and three at two. Let's be clear. Yeah, the guy that gets to play two has been great. Seguin honestly hasn't been great. So. I kind of feel like like Carolina is almost if they split there, they're you know, sure, you always want to win both, but a split there for them would almost be, okay, if we can take doubles and split there, but now you now you've still got to go and find two in the bottom four. and that's where it's it's just so many questions for me. They've been great down the stretch, like you said, but it 
at the same time, the schedule, yeah, a couple really good wins over NC State, for, for sure, credit there. But, you know, they, they lost to Virginia. The rest of the matches in that in that time frame are, you know, not they're not the Virginias and Wakes of the world. I'll just say that. So so it's it's inexperienced to me, you know, when you're when you're looking at at Zap and Murphy and Watani and whoever's playing in those spots. There's a lot more uncertainty than there is when you look at the Arizona lineup and you go, yeah, we know what those guys are. They've been there. So I got to go with the known commodity. Yeah, look, he's a freshman with Colton Smith, 17 and 5 overall, 14 and 4 at 3. Herman Horyerall, aka Double H, 12 and 3 at the number four spot. He's delivered. They're 17 and 3 at number six, whether it's Hassey, whether it's Legayev, whether it's Mel Basich. You know, again, they have options in the bottom of the lineup. But again, known commodities, a team that is going to be infuriated. It's funny. I tried to differ. You know, again, it, it's so boring if me, you, and Maddie, who unfortunately could not be here tonight, he's going to watch the Carolina hockey playoffs justifiably. Go Canes. Um, I wanted to differ from you guys. The case you just made, I'm really regretting it. I'm going to pick North Carolina, and here's why. You say their strength of schedule down the season's home stretch was not the strongest. I'm going to disagree with you. Again, since the start of March, and at the start of March, they lose a match to Virginia. They went on the road, beat Miami 4-0. They go on the road, beat Florida State 4-2. They beat Louisville 4-1 at home. Beat NC State twice in a five-day span. We know how difficult that is to do. And then again, they needed the doubles point against Virginia. They got it. They needed Cernock against Virginia. They got it. All the guys did step up. Forced third set. Seguin was right there with Inyaki Montez. This team has stepped up, and now they've been rewarded for those efforts. And again, they're going to see, hopefully, that you pick against them, that Maddie pick against, picked against them. I feel like I'm going to be painted as anti-Wildcats because I do feel like for some reason I'm always picking against them. I think this is going to be a 4-3 match as well. And in that instance, give me the home team. Like, I just think this is a knock them out brawl sort of match. This is a North Carolina group. Again, Kyger, Seguin, Cernok. It's almost last stand time for this group that has as much big match experience as any nucleus in the country. I'm going to take the Tar Heels 4-3 simply because they're at home. Oh, and on. say one of Zap, Murphy, and, and again, uh, one of them deliver on the day. For the record, Clancy, that is absolutely not why he's picking that. He's picking it out of bitterness for last year's match at Kentucky. And no, please. <laughs> I don't resolve to that sort of pettiness. We're the five seeds now. Like, come on. we're be- That's beneath us. Uh, no, I'm picking North Carolina because I just – I think there's a world where Brian Cernock's the best player in the match. And when I have no idea what's going on, give me the team with the best player and the team that's at home. And that's not meant to be disrespectful to Strom. Again, I think or or Zieverts, all these guys are exceptional. I just think Cernock has taken things to another level this year. And give me the Tar Heels to defend their turf and Chapel Yeah, he's, he's got more weapons. If if they ta- if if Carolina at home takes doubles, Cernock does what he can do, uses his weapons, takes that, and they and to me the big one then is. They get Ben to show up big time for them. They, if they get those three points, I mean, and there's a there's a lot of worlds where that happens. Then then dangerous, but I just I just don't see it happening. No, it's going to be a really fun match, but that's fine. You're taking the. It's funny you're you're making the case as if you're like Arizona's the favorite in this match, and to some extent, one could argue they are. Glad I'm good. I'm glad we've disagreed here through the first two. Well, let's go to our third one now. Harvard, your number fourteen seeds, and look, Harvard eight match win streak as they enter 
uh, this postseason play. They're going to host Monmouth and then Stanford and Mississippi State. Potential battle of the brains in the second round, although, of course, Stanford got to get through uh, this Mississippi State team before that. One of your most fascinating first round matches. Here's the thing for Harvard. 18 and four overall, Chris. Three of their four losses came against West Coast teams in USC, in Pepperdine, in San Diego. Now, they have not played Stanford yet this season. This match is also going to be on the East Coast. Those three losses all came in West Coast matches. That said, Harvard kind of cruised through the Ivy League season. It's been a while since they've been tested with a team the caliber of Stanford. Now, this Harvard team has been very good by the statistics, and whether it's Doc Von Sr., obviously, and Henry von der Schulenberg, who's put together an, an impressive 24-8 and eight overall season, 11-5 in dual match play, Harry Walker, 17-3, and three, Brian Shee, 15-2, Ronan Jachuk, 17-4. Uh, and four. You know, again, this team has beaten up on who they're supposed to beat up on. But no one beats, you know, again, this Stanford team has been beaten on all year long. And now they're going to go to this Harvard match and say, please, like, we're not afraid of you guys. It's a fascinating matchup. Who you got? I got Mississippi State, right? <laughs> oh, back. no, you said it was the region of the brain. So the brain yeah. can go there. Uh, no, <laughs> yeah. Un- unfortunately, you know, I would love, I'm really looking forward to that first match with, with Stanford and, oh gosh, Joe, what I love to watch Arthur Ferry and Florian Broska play. That's such uh, a good match. But, uh, yeah. I mean, that's one of those, that's one of those I would just, yeah, I, I would love to be watching that. But I mean, I, I do think in the end we see Stanford Harvard, you know, playing in, in that final match. And I mean, look, picking against Arthur Ferry at this point is very hard to do. I mean, you almost, even as good as von der Schulenberg's been, the problem I have is that the people, as Stanford's been beaten up on, it's not been because of Arthur Ferry. It's been because of the other places in the lineup, and Harvard is good in the other places in the lineup. You watch those, you know, you watch Brian Shee, and you watch Jachuk, and, I mean, they're just, they're, they're solid all the way through between the fact that Stanford's got to make the long trip all the way out to the East coast. I don't know, you know, they haven't, they're not, they don't have momentum. They haven't shown great promise all year. I I can't get behind it at this point. I'm sticking, I'm sticking with the crimson and I'm taking Harvard. It's good. Let's disagree for a third time. Max Bazing 20 and four overall 15 and two in dual match play, whether it's at, you know, again, Ferry 10 and four at one. I think it's it's always been Ferry and Bazing this season. Both are going to have to deliver. Now Axel Geller is eleven and five overall, ten and five in dual match play. This is his moment. Like this is his final NCAA tournament. It's time for him to step up. Alex Rothsart, who again six and four in dual match play, he needs to step up in this moment of the season. Now again, Sridhar's twelve and four. You know again, Chaudhry's nineteen and eight. They've got depth. I know this. I trust all six guys. Let me say it like that. All six guys in Stanford's lineup can win on any given day. But have we seen all six of them click together on the same day and play well? I mean, again, you look for this team. Good win over Pepperdine and USC to start the season. But then at the national indoors, they lose to South Carolina 4-3. They lose to USC 4-1. They've subsequently lost to USC two other times since then. 4-3-4-0, a 4-2 loss at Arizona. Here's the thing about this Stanford team. They don't have a single bad loss on their resume this season. 
Seven, you know, again, you look for them 17 and five overall. It's been a pretty good year. They've beaten who they were supposed to beat. But since that USC 4 1 win on February 5th, what's the signature victory? Like wins over Washington, Cal, Arizona State? Like, respectfully, no. They, they have one top 16 win on the season. It's their win over USC from early February. That's the thing. And so, again, I talked about it early with Harvard. They've gone through the Ivy League you know, schedule with relative ease. Well, Stanford's done the same thing on the West Coast. The difference is they had shots at Arizona and USC, and they couldn't win them. Um, it's, it's a good freaking match, like 4-3. If it's outdoors, I'm going to take the Cardinal simply because I just think, again, I'm, I'm looking at what's the distinguishing. I'm like, well, three West Coast teams have beaten Harvard. Like the West Coast doesn't have much to hang their hat on. But like is Stanford going to be like, wait, USC, Pepperdine, San Diego beat them. We're not going to beat them. Now let's go kick some crimson ass. I'm going to take Stanford in the battle of the brains four three. I don't feel good about it, though. I think it's hard to feel good no matter who you're picking here, right? I mean, Stanford's yeah. super dangerous. They could also feel, lose to Mississippi State. Yeah, I don't feel great about my Harvard pick. Well, and that's also half the reason I take Harvard because I, I see a world where Stanford shows up and loses the first round. <laughs> so, so I hedge my bets and say, okay, if that happens, I'm, I'm a little safer taking Harvard as well. Yeah, I, it's it's a it's a tough region to call. I like it, though. Three disagreements from us early. Well, with that in mind, let's move over to the locks now. The seeds, we think, without question, going to advance through the NCAA tournament's first two rounds. Let's start with top-seeded TCU. Of course, the TCU Horn Frogs playing host to Drake in their first-round match, then ultimately the winner of Utah and Ole Miss. There would be nothing more poetic than for this old miss team's final stand they go to tcu they earn a big like again if any team can do it it's this toby hansen led old miss team at like the same time <laughs> yeah exactly at the same time i i just tcu's got too much i think they're a lock i mean i agree i wouldn't i don't think they're as locked as some of the other locks because it is sort of a on a the lock stump- scale a yeah. somewhat dangerous, yeah, for a lot, you know, we put them in the locks, but they're at the lower end of that, of that lock scale. And yeah, you know, that um, if old Miss shows up and all of a sudden it's, it's, uh, you know, the real old Miss out of three of the guys and doubles, uh, you know, it, it could be, it could be dangerous, but yeah, I think TCU's, you know, very comfortably going to take your, your case for Harvard is the TCU case on steroids where it's like, well, Ole Miss could beat them, but they're just as likely to lose to Utah. And so, therefore, TCU's a lock. Um, all right, number two seed, Florida. I We don't have to waste much time on this. Yeah, but here at Miami, South Florida, New Orleans, my question no is, does Seymour, does Seymour play singles this weekend? Boy, I don't – I mean, given the way they rested him and didn't have any concern about just bringing him back, I don't know. There, there are no threats here this weekend. I could easily see them sitting – I think you still play him because you just can't afford to have any excuse if things go wrong, but, uh, but I don't, it's not necessary. Yeah, I agree with you. Number four, Ohio state hosting Columbia, Notre Dame, Youngstown state, Ohio state dropped two points at home this season. One of them to number five seed in Michigan, the other first match of the season to Diego Nava and Xavier there. Again, I said, Columbia was frisky. I'll take the L on that one. Ohio State kills teams at home. I expect them to kill teams at home this weekend. Yeah, I mean, look, Columbia just lost to my 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 new word. I'm de- I'm determined to use the Cornellians. 
Uh, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, there's nobody's going to touch Ohio State at home. Yeah, I agree. Five-seeded Michigan hosting Oklahoma, Louisville, Western. I mean, Westoff, don't get mad at me. We should advance comfortably, right? Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, that that Louisville-Oklahoma match is the only match that's going to, you know, that should be very, very interesting this weekend. That, that's a great match. I, I mean, I, I look very forward to seeing that. But whoever gets out of there shouldn't challenge Michigan. I expected Westoff to put an X through that on the graphic and be like, not a lock. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, I mean, look, I'm excited. It's a lot of club tennis royalty. Max Kohler, volunteer assistant for Oklahoma, coming to Ann Arbor. I'm going to be in Ann Arbor as well. We're going to have a club tennis powwow. I'll be like, see, they do put my trophy in the trophy case. Um, all right, let's move on to our next lock, number six, Tennessee. Tennessee playing host to Duke, Memphis, and Tennessee Tech. Talk about a perfect weekend for the Tennessee team to kind of figure out, should we play Harper? Should we not play Harper? What's the deal? Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, they're going to get Tennessee tech, which obviously you can bet. And, and a Duke I, I, team that has limped into the, to the post. Yeah, I, I kind of think that we'll actually see Harper in that first match. If, if there's any thought of playing him at all, if we don't <laughs> see him against Tennessee tech, then he's not playing. <laughs> if we see him against Tennessee tech, it's probably a, you know, a shakeout and let's, let's see what he's, you know, how he looks. Uh, and yeah, they shouldn't get challenged Memphis. I mean, I'm not going to give, I'm not giving Duke the match over Memphis. As you said, they've limped in, uh, you know, Memphis is not a, not a pushover that, that could be a good match if Duke's not on their game. Either way, nobody challenges Tennessee. Fair. All right, let's move on. Number seven seed here in our bracket, Virginia, fairly Dickinson, Penn and VCU. This might be the lock of locks. Like I, if Virginia is not in the round of 16, something went horribly wrong. Yeah, I think, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to undersell VCU too much. That's a no, very Anthony Rossi's done an exceptional job this year with the squad. But yes, Virginia, I mean, this is one I was talking with a coach this year or this week. I, I remember who, who said, I remember you were making the case before indoors that Virginia should have been you know, the seven seed then when they got shot. I said, well, <laughs> we all knew, right? I mean, we knew. This is basically where, you know, where they deserve to be. They just had some early season losses that didn't allow it to happen. Yeah, they're, they are, they, they're right where they belong. And they're clearly, you know, head and shoulders right now above the rest of the teams in that region. I would, that's, that's the, I would, that, that in this, Florida to me, you know, yeah. no, and Ohio this, State. Those this three was our are, preseason rankings. We've just swapped Michigan with Texas. Like literally, this is like, hey, this is what we, th- it's the same group of teams. We said it coming into the year. Turns out they are all very, very good. My last lock is number eight, Kentucky. DePaul, ETSU, Northwestern coming to town. Northwestern's good. I just don't think they have the top end power. Like Steve Foreman, Draxel is going to be a freaking battle. But it's just like the Kentucky nuclear. And by the way, so is Thieneman versus Musatelli. Shout out Dalton Thieneman um, and Presley. But I just, I, I feel like this Kentucky team is perfectly built to beat Northwestern. Yeah, there's, I mean, it, it's just another level. Northwestern it, might take doubles, but like the singles, I just think the gap's too big. Yeah, I mean, Nor- Northwestern pretty much has to take doubles. Foreman has to win it one. Uh, they have Price to win it. has to get it at three. They have to win it six. I mean, yeah. you know, that's the problem is Diallo or hurry on versus Trice at three, which is always a strong spot for Northwestern. That's just a 
again, Kentucky kills you at three. Yeah, Diallo's two, Hurrion's three. But. Yeah, and so that's just that's a tough matchup. But again, these are our locks. Now you'll notice missing from this list number three seed Baylor, who let me be clear, I do think is a lock to advance, but allows us to focus on an intriguing weekend of action in Texas. Intriguing weekend because certainly you look for the Baylor Bears playing host to Tulsa, to Texas A&M, to Abilene Christian. They're going to beat AM. i I'm fairly certain about that. And I think it's the top end, actually, of the lineup where Baylor has their most pronounced advantages, whether it be Boyton, Soto, La. Here's the thing, though. Luke Casper at five is a really fun litmus test to see, hey, did Teddy Paralak, can he bring over what we saw at Big 12s over to the NCAA tournament? I mean, again, whether it's him, whether it's uh, Julio Perego, uh, that's the freshman, right? Who am I? I'm not, I got the freshman name. Yeah, whether it's Perego, the freshman, who's been yep. all exceptional this year. And just if he's at four, like that's a fun matchup for him. Yeah, he was uh, submitted at four. Yeah, that's a fun matchup for him against Finn Bass. And again, really, you know, Schachter and Kenner Taylor have been really good at the number one double spot. And like there are just some. And this, te- this Texas A&M team will just be playing loose because they have nothing to lose. And again, this is a really young group. Next year is the year for them. The year after is the year for them. This is the free shot. This is the, hey, see what you can learn from this experience. And obviously, they're not going to treat it that way. Baylor's going to advance. I cannot emphasize that enough. Don't get mad at me, Coach Woodson. It's not that I think Baylor's not going to advance. It's more just I really want to see how this Texas A&M team plays with you know, again, nothing to lose. I thought this was, you know, another setup or something here, Gruskin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, you're right. They're, they're, Baylor's going to advance out of here. I don't, uh, I, I don't see anybody giving them a, a, a huge, huge test. Uh, but I, to me, that A&M Tulsa match, that's, I mean, again, like many of these sites are going to be that two, three matches, the match and many of the others won't be all that interesting. That's going to be a great match. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that. I don't think I don't think Baylor gets much of a test from from either of the two, though, uh, in in the final. Fair. All right. Well, then, how about the other Texas regional where we've got the Longhorns hosting SMU, LSU, and Idaho? I think SMU, LSU is the best first round match of the NCAA tournament. And SMU undefeated in conference play. We spoke with their head coach Grant Chen, uh, obviously at the uh, at the end of their conference tournament. LSU some. Rumors going around about their coaching situation moving forward. And certainly this group, again, has had a good season. They put a lot of really good matches. There's a lot of depth on that team, whether it's Ken Taylor or uh, obviously all the way through to Boris Kozlov and Ronnie Holman at one on the right day. He can beat absolutely anyone. How good is this SMU team in facing, you know, again, uh, an LSU team that's been through the SEC ringer. I'm fascinated to see that matchup. And then the biggest question mark in the NCAA tournament is Texas. How healthy are they? Who's actually going to play? If they're all healthy and playing well, this team can beat anyone. Absolutely anyone. We saw it at the National Indoors. Who's, you know, the last team to beat Florida? It was Texas. I'm fascinated. Again, you just have to watch this region because who the F knows what Texas looks like right now. Yeah, and like you said, the SMU LSU got Kent Hunter for for LSU, but uh, but that, oh, what did I say Taylor? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Kent Hunter. Thank you. Uh, that that's a I mean that that's a good match where you know, as good as SMU has been this year, 
they, you know, they just don't get a lot of coverage based, you know, the conference they're in, et cetera. We haven't gotten to see a lot of SMU. We get to do our red zone cut type coverages on some of the conferences, but again, we don't see much SMU. So I'm looking forward to seeing them against an LSU team that we kind of know what, where that barometer is. They're the, you know, just below middle of the, of the SEC, but a very dangerous uh, team. If SMU goes out there and handles them, you know, five, two, or, or, you know, well, it'd be four, two, I guess at that point, or something fairly comfortably, and it's not a, a grind four, three match or LSU, you know, knocks them off. Then I think, you know, even some more respect the SMU way, but all of that said, regardless of what combination of guys show up for Texas, I just don't see them losing to LSU or SMU. I mean, even if there's no Braswell, I mean, you can pull Braswell and, and you're still, you're, you've still got plenty of guys. You have to really pull, it'd have to be like, there's no Braswell and no Bailey or no Braswell and no Waldeeb. Uh, or Harper. I, yeah, you know, sure. or Harper. And yeah, I, I think that's, that's kind of the, in the first, in this first weekend to me, it's, Hey, they could be down a guy, but it, but if they are even down a guy and make it through, that spells all kinds of trouble uh, for the next weekend because, you know, you're, you're not going and knocking off, you know, uh, at, at Michigan and taking out that team down a guy uh, like that. So, so I think that it, that is the question, how healthy do they look? Who's playing and, you know, are they going to be, are they going to be ready? And is it, and, and, and really, how good is SMU? Like you said, let's get our eyes on them and, and get get something that we haven't seen a lot of. Yeah, look, Liam Crawl, if he plays Michael Braswell, Crawl has not gotten the press of the rest of the super sophomores. He deserves it. And so that's going to be a fascinating matchup. And again, just keep our eyes on if SMU can even get there because LSU, no easy test beforehand. All right, here's some hosts who should win, but hosts who should win, but. Number nine, Wake Forest, who, you know, again, has won so many different matches this season, 31 and six overall. Now they took a bad loss to Georgia Tech in the ACC tournament. That's just about their only bad loss, though, of the season as you look for this Wake Forest team. Outside of that match, their losses, Virginia, Ohio State twice, South Carolina, and 4-3 at Tennessee, a match they really should have won early in the season. That said, they host Auburn, Texas Tech, Radford, Auburn coming off of an NCAA, uh, excuse me, an SEC semifinal berth where they beat South Carolina on the way there. Auburn 20 and 10 overall. Auburn, one of those teams that can match the depth of Wake Forest from top to bottom. And Auburn, you know, you look for this Wake Forest team, by the way, excuse me, uh, in doubles overall on this season. They're 61 and 24 in individual sets. You look for Auburn, they're 47 and 25. So again, a 65 percent win percentage versus a 72 percent win percentage you look for uh this wake forest team outside of the number one singles position they've won 70 percent of their matches or more at each and every flight uh auburn's at 61 percent or more of their matches at all the flights you know three through six singles as well auburn's probably been better at the number one and two spots than wake forest whether it be tyler stice at that number one spot 14 and 10 overall on the year jan golka you know who's been solid overall at the number two spot as well versus whether it's nava or karamov or whomever it is been playing in that one and two for wake forest they've struggled as well 
it just feels even across the board. Like, again, as you look at individual matchups, maybe you say, okay, I like Schneider at five, but I like uh, Nolan at six, or I mean, Nolan might be playing five now, whomever it is at six uh, for for Auburn, or hey, I really like the way Merchant's been playing, or A, McLean can serve really well on this day, and maybe he gets the better of Kungu, whatever it may be, or Banthia, excuse me. I just like all of the matchups here. I think this match is 4-3 one way or the other. I'm going to go Wake Forest because they're at home, but there's a strong case to be made for Auburn. Yeah, this is one, I, you know, I, you obviously got my picks. I'm, I'm taking Auburn here. Uh, I think, you know, Wake, a little bit of a limp losing to Georgia Tech in the ACC tournament. We haven't seen Maroney in who knows how long. He's been in a boot. He submitted on, in the lineups. I don't actually think we're going to see him. It would change my mind, but at this point to have been out for a couple months and then all of a sudden drop into a match in the NCAA tournament, I don't know that you even do that. Uh, uh, you know, if, if you were going to do that, you'd have played in, in the ACC tournament. So, so I don't really think we see him. And like you said, Auburn's a very good doubles team. They could take the doubles. Wake's been, you know, kind of all over the place at one. Don't expect to get a win there. Tyler Stice has been great. Uh, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bet against him there. So, and then like you said, no, I I think, and again, because the lineups are down right now, I, I glanced through them all. I don't remember these to be sure, but I'll bet that we have both Schneider and Nolan at five, which will be a heck of a match. That's uh, a delicious match. I would That's feel right. a lot better for my Auburn pick if we had Nolan at six, uh, just because I feel like it's a bet. The, a better shot for at that point there, but but I still I like I like Auburn doubles. I like Stice at one. I like Nolan. Find another one. I'm I'm going to take the. I mean I know it's a stretch and it's an upset, but uh, I'm going to take I'm going to take Auburn. I'll take the winner of the doubles point, and since this match is at Wake Forest, I'm going to take Wake Forest to sneak out that doubles point again. McLean and merge it. I have looked at every bit the role of defending NCAA finalists, seventeen and five overall on the season, but like you know Stice and Galka. 11 and seven at the number two spot. They've played one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different combinations at number three. Now Wake Forest has done the same thing. Um, Yes. You have the known commodity for Auburn at one, and maybe that's why you favor them in the doubles point, but I'm going to take Wake to sneak out that doubles point. And then I just think it's a three, three split in single. So I'll take Wake Forest to advance South Carolina hosting Pepperdine, Washington and South Carolina state. I mean, the Pepperdine-Washington matchup is brutal, but Pepperdine matches up pretty well with South Carolina. You look for the Waves this season, 14-5 and five at the number five spot, 14-6 and six at the number six spot. You have to win those two flights if you're going to beat South Carolina. Pepperdine has the ability to do that. And then again, doubles. 33 and 30, you would expect South Carolina to take that. That is a major issue for Pepperdine, certainly on the road. But DeJong can beat Daniel Rodriguez. And again, for guys like him and Andrew Rogers, Timmy Zietvogel, it's last stand mode. Like they need one of the seniors, one of the, you know, the elder statesmen on their roster to deliver. I think this is a dangerous test for South Carolina. But of course, by the way, then again, Pepperdine may lose to Washington, who's as hot as any team in the country entering the NCAA tournament and may have the best player in the region in Clement Sheedek. Yeah, I'd have to look back. You know, I, I had such a problem filling out my bracket that it's, you know, it, it's like you pick all the favorites all the way through. 
I, I want to say this is actually one spot where I not at, not from the South Carolina aspect, but I think I might have taken Washington in to upset Pepperdine. It's I just I just think that, yeah, she I mean, and what a match. I mean, no matter no matter who who plays South Carolina, the matchups at one at this Jong or Shedek versus Rodriguez. Yeah, the Jong yeah. versus Shedek first and then whoever, whichever stuff. team wins. That guy gets Daniel Rodriguez. I mean, that's just some great tennis at the one spot. But, uh, but yeah, I don't. I mean, we heard from Coach Goffey on our show. You know that Lambling what, didn't didn't play that last match in the SEC tournament. They heard right afterward he was clear. Everything's fine. Uh, that would have been a concern for me, uh, given with what they've got coming in. They're far superior in doubles to these teams. I, they should win the doubles point with their top four guys, even if they still don't get production at five and six. And I think they can get, you know, a split for them is plenty. They just need a split. They get doubles, a split there. They just need to win two of the top four. Good luck taking two of the top four at South Carolina. Uh, mm-hmm. I think they're fine. I Like you said, I, they should win. I don't expect too much of a battle. I'll take South Carolina. You know, after we talked with Coach Goffey, I regretted doing this immediately. I'm picking Pepperdine because there's always one shocker. And this is the team. We said it at the start of the season. All of these pieces put together. This is the chance for this Pepperdine roster taking on a wounded South Carolina team that's healthier, but slightly wounded. They have the depth. They need to deliver. Like, again, this is my upset special. Give me Pepperdine to advance. I'll tell you the the one surprise that you could get in your favor for Pepperdine is early in the year we saw Pietro Felling Felon playing two three. Then he was gone, and then he comes back. I would presume injury. He comes back and plays a couple matches at six. He submitted in their lineup for the tournament at seven, which anything after six is irrelevant because you can play anybody. But but what that tells me is, yeah. You know, Coach Schachterly may be going with a with, you know, if he's healthy, felon at six. That's a if he's actually healthy, that's a really, really good six. Uh, yeah. You know, you should feel like you could lock that one in if, if you're Pepperdine. So that's a, that's a big advantage they could have. Yeah. All right. Number 11, Georgia hosting Florida State, Georgia State, Alabama State. The Seminoles were shut out of just three matches this season, 16 and 10 overall. They play everyone close. I mean, again. Do you love anything you saw from Georgia this season? Like they're at home again. I think they're going to advance, but the Seminoles can match up with them pretty well everywhere. Yeah. I, I mean, you're right. The I saw both matches, Florida state against Florida. Mm-hmm. And even though the score lines might not indicate such because Florida got to four and the match ended there were, I mean, those had, those matches had potentials for, you know, four, three on them. They, they can play teams really tight. Uh, they're not, they, you know, they are dangerous. It's like you said, there's, there's nothing outstanding where you're going, Oh, those positions are locks for Georgia. I, you know, I like your characterization. They should win, but you know, if everything breaks right for Florida state, yeah, they, they could knock them off. I, I don't think anybody, but Florida state could, but yeah, Florida state could pull off an upset there, but, but I think you still got to, you got to ride, ride the Bulldogs. Yeah. All right. Last, but certainly not least number 13, USC play host to San Diego, UC Irvine, Nevada, Irvine, sneaky, good 
17 and six, really strong at the top of their lineup. I just, again, San Diego, they've been on the war path. This is their year for Davies, for Holmgren, for this crew. And look, they lost early in the season to USC in Los Angeles. It was less than a month ago. Really hard to beat a team twice in the same month. And I mean, the Trojans are hot. They've won 10 in a row. They win the Big 12 Conference Tournament. These hosts should win again, but San Diego is going to be right there. Yeah. Like you, I, I mean, even you can't, if you're San Diego, you can't sleep on the Irvine match, right? They came out, they knocked off UCSB to make it. That was a, that was a winners in the tournament. And, and, you know, and Irvine was, I think the three seed, but like you said, very, very good up top. They got Emmanuel Costa, the transfer from Oregon. They got Ricardo Roberto, the transfer from Alabama. Uh, and then Zamora at three. It's a good, it, it's a good team. I don't think they have the depth to actually get. First time it's happened all season. Shout out. Man, that was my That's Sebastian Ray. No, Seb- Seb- Sebastian Ray heard you already. And he's like, this is unacceptable. Yeah. Don't you dare pick against <laughs> us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I think I just don't think they have the depth when it comes down to it, even if they can manage to compete with Holmgren at the top and, and, and the rest of those guys. I, it's the depth is going to end up being a little problem. And yeah, San Diego, USC, again, USC should win, but boy, San Diego is a very dangerous team. Like I had, I had them in my pit, in my poll, I had them 16 for the last month and a half. You know, I, you know, I, I would have made them if I was doing it, I would have made them a seed that it's a, it's a dangerous matchup for, for UCSC, for USC, for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, with that in mind, those are your 16 regions folks. And, uh, again, we want to offer you some additional picks here before we wrap today's show and obviously want to offer you those picks so that you can go make your selections over on collegetennisranks.com. Scotty B asks, is it just one bracket that I can fill out or can I do multiple brackets? One bracket per email, I assume. Per e- yeah, and I only read, I, I did a look up by email. I could have probably loosened that, but I figure in this day and age as as the uh, Knowles tennis fan commented, I said, you know, everybody's got at least two emails and he says actually seven. So yeah, there's nothing against, you know, no term per person. You can honestly fill out as many as you want. You just got to use a different email and confirm it from each one. Yeah. All right. Well, let's offer them some picks as we go down the home stretch. Favorite first round matches. And again, I don't need reasoning from you. I can just get a straight selection here as we wrap today's show. SMU LSU, in my opinion, the best first round match of the tournament. Who you got? Well, I mean, of course, my two are going to be Mississippi State, Stanford and Liberty NC State. Uh, I mean, how how can I get away from those two? there, there are some really uh, Oklahoma, Louisville to me, yeah. super, super uh, intriguing. Tulsa, Texas A&M, super, super intriguing. Uh, that's and, and then that Pepperdine, Washington match. That's yeah. super intriguing. Those are probably my favorites. All right. Let's just go through offer picks. SMU, LSU. Who's winning? SMU. I'll say. I love you, Grant. No, I'll take Grant and the boys. Ah, I'll take LSU. Uh, Pepperdine, Washington. I already said it. I think, I mean, I, I think I got to take the upset pick here. Uh, and All I'm, right. I'm, I'm going to pick Washington just on the fact that I think they're better in doubles. And I think Sheedek is, whew, you know, 
Mm-hmm. He's the Fair. guy. So if, if that's two, I think they find two more somewhere. Fair. I'll take it. All right. Pepperdine, Washington. Uh, I'll take Pepperdine, Mississippi State, Stanford. I mean, as much as I want to pick Mississippi State, I can't. But, man, it. I can hope. I can hope. I'll, I'll take Stanford. <laughs> Me too. Columbia, Notre Dame. I don't feel great about the way either one of these teams ended the season, but I'll take Columbia. I agree with you. Utah, Old Miss. I mean, I can't get away from the SEC here, right? And yeah, the, Old Miss is our frisky team. We have to we got to see we got to see the Old Miss TCU match. I mean, I love I love Utah, and I think that's going to be a, a great match with Espen uh, for for Utah, but. I just don't know that there's the depth to 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 battle Ole Miss there. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, Duke Memphis. Oof. I mean, Duke did not exactly finish the year strong, but I still think they're the better team. I'll, I'll take Duke. Fair. I have a reputation to uphold, so I'll take Memphis. Oklahoma, Louisville. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, this one, I thought long and hard about this one. And I, I probably would still be thinking if I wasn't forced to hit submit, uh, on the bracket. Um, I'm just trying to think if I really want to change my pick from, uh, from what I put in. Oh gosh, this is so hard. I mean, I, I think I probably have to ride the home guys and, and say Louisville. Westoff would kill me if I said anything up. Go cards. Um, to, although Max Kohler's my guy, but go cards. Um, Texas Tech versus Auburn. We agree. Auburn, Miami, USF. I agree. I think Miami, San Diego, UC Irvine are just good matches, but I think we all agree San Diego. And again, some of the potential second round matches we alluded to UNC, Arizona, USC, San Diego, Harvard versus Stanford or Mississippi State, that middle Tennessee, NC State battle, Auburn, Wake Forest, all the way through. It's going to be a really fun weekend of action, folks. And with that in mind, let's put our predictions on the board one final time. Super producer Danny Blastoff, keep track of where things stand. Our biggest disagreements, again, coming outside. We agree all the way through. The top eight seeds and super producer Daniel Westoff offering his special pick. He's going to take Louisville in the Michigan region. But again, we agree on everything in the top eight. Then it gets funky. We're taking Wake Forest. You're taking Auburn. I'm taking Pepperdine. You guys, South Carolina. We all agree. Georgia, Texas, USC. Maddie and I taking Stanford. You're on Harvard. I'm taking UNC. You and Maddie, Arizona. You're both taking NC State. I'll take Middle Tennessee. Thank God we'll have a winner and the loser finally in one of these pick segments. And you know what? No, I'm not saying anything. I'm not going to preface it by saying, do I do my picks to try and make it more interesting so that we're not all aligned? Maybe, but guess what? That's the burden of being the host folks. And so with that in mind, Chris, you look at these predictions, all the things that I talk you into anything. Is there anything you regret most? I regret Pepperdine the most. Certainly. I also am most furious. You picked Auburn before I could, but what else do you got? Yeah, you didn't talk me into it, but yeah, that's, I mean, if I was like, if you made me go bet money, I'd probably bet on Wake Forest, but I think, you know, it's one of those, it's one of those things where just like filling out a a basketball bracket, you can't pick all of the, like the 16 hosts, it's never the 16 hosts, right? Mm -hmm. So, so had to go away somewhere. And I even took NC State who was actually hosting. So, so I basically have all the hosts except 
I had to throw one in and it was, I, it was either going to be Stanford at Harvard or Auburn at Wake Forest for me. And I thought, yeah, I need a really good one. I'll take Auburn. Yeah. I'm too upset. Heavy. I'm already regretting my choices, but guess what? Made for a way better show. And so with that in mind, of course, if you would like to fill out your picks, collegetennisranks.com, fill out a men's bracket, fill out a women's bracket, play along with us as promises to be such an exciting next three weeks here in the college tennis world. Of course, we will be back tomorrow for our final pre-NCAA tournament podcast. We're going to answer all of your questions with a little mailbag edition of the show. Myself, John Parsons, Chris Halioris, 9 p.m. Eastern time here on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel of course, you can uh, submit your questions to our Twitter at Crack Rackage. You can also join us again tomorrow so, to submit your questions live if you would like. Of course, a massive shout out to Super Producer Daniel Westoff on the ones and twos live producing a different show every week is not every day of the week is not easy, folks. He's managing to do it for us as always. Appreciate his efforts and appreciate the support we get from our friends at Swing Vision and Turner. Learn more about Swing Vision by clicking on the link in the description to this app and join the Turner Tennis family today by uh, emailing sales at uniquesports.com. With all of that said, Chris, any final thoughts before we wrap today's show? None whatsoever. I just can't wait to get the tournament going Friday and, uh, and the long drive to Raleigh. Yeah, we are ready to rock and roll. Well, then with all that said, for the professor, Chris Hallioris, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Swing Vision and Turner, and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Struskin. Chris, what do we tell the people? Hey, Great shot. And we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.